Thank you for joining us here today at Victory Church where we pray big prayers to a big God and we expect big results. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at victory.church or just download our Victory app. Now let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chastain. Well, welcome to Victory Church. We're excited that you're all here today. I want to greet and welcome the Edmond campus. Um, thank you so much for being at church today. I also want to greet quickly the online campus. I know there's many people watching online today, including my family. So when I get home today, kids, you're going to get a quiz. So you better listen to my sermon. Uh, but I do know, I was told that we had somebody watching. And we want you to know that if you're on our online audience, you are here with us. So thank you for joining us. Uh, Michael, Carol, James, uh, Tracy, Jonathan, all of you watching online. I was told that we have somebody watching online from Pakistan this morning. So we welcome you. We're excited that you're, that you're joining us today. So um, I hope you've been enjoying this series we've been in called Half the Battle. And it, it's been a, a series, and, and if you begin to read my book, you realize pretty quickly that both the series and the book are not for the faint of heart. <laughs> like this is a deep dive where we really get into some pretty deep stuff and we poke and prod a little bit on some deep issues that each one of us carry. But the good news is, is that all of us have these issues. And so we're in safe company today as we dive into these things. And so I wanna encourage you. So, so I wanna give you a testimonial. Sometimes testimonials are not shared enough in the local church. Because as pastors, we get to hear all of the life change happening, but many times we don't get to hear it. And so I had a testimony come in. We've had several testimonies begin coming in through the publisher, but also through email on the book and just this, this series. And so I want to share one with you that particularly stuck out. We got permission to share this, leaving the names out, of course. But let me read this to you just real quickly to let you see some of the life change that's happening through this Half the Battle series. This says, when you preached Sunday about the stench behind the stone, I was wrecked. And when you said, Jesus asked them, where have you put Lazarus? Where did you put him? It was just as if Jesus said, I'll walk with you. Just show me your pain. Well, I was molested from the time I was five to the time I was 17. And I was raped at the age of 16. And I kept all of these things secrets all to myself for 40 years. I was told by my abusers that no one would believe me and that they would hurt me if, that, if I told anyone. So I didn't tell anyone. My life has been full of turmoil and struggle, largely because of the anger I felt due to the abuse. My dad was the primary abuser, so I couldn't tell my mom because she idolized my dad. And after all, no one would believe me anyways, he said. And I went on to lead recovery groups, and I've given my testimony at Pastor Rick Warren's Saddleback Church twice and I've, I've been able to tell thousands of people about my abuse, but I could never tell my own mother. And that stone of rejection has also be become one of my character defects, and one reason I kept my brokenness all locked away behind the stone. And every time I would tell my story, I am met with people who are encouraged and supportive, but cringed at the thought of telling my own mother. And Sunday I heard God tell me that this was the week to roll the stone away and that my part was to roll it away and that Jesus would be right there beside me when I did it. And fear had kept me trapped and clothed in the stinking grave cloth. And yesterday, after church, I invited my mother to lunch and I shared part of your sermon and then I went on to tell her of all of the pain that I have clung to for decades. And I cried 40 years worth of tears 
and four decades of secrets and pain in a matter of two hours. And your book and your sermon gave me the courage and permission to let him have the broken area and to invite him to the place where I put my pain and I was afraid of her rejection, but that is just the trick of the enemy. And I told the Lord that even if she rejected me, that I knew he wanted me to walk in victory. So now my mom and I can work towards a new relationship. So we're seeing life change happen. We're seeing, yes, isn't that amazing? So I wanna encourage you to, to dig into this series and maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you're a first time guest, we welcome you. Maybe you need to go back and restart the series and walk through the sermons. Maybe you've missed a, a week or two. I want to begin to continue, kind of pick up where we leave off every week, because we've kind of learned, right, through the weeks we've learned how to reject rejection. And then I'm not going to pass it off. I'm not going to carry it along, and I'm not going to hide it away. I'm going to lay it down at the foot of the cross and get, can become a cornerstone like Jesus' rejection did, that he, Jesus became the cornerstone, that they rejected him, and he laid it down. He became the cornerstone on which something beautiful could be built on. We're learning these things through this process, but today I want to talk about another aspect of this uh, that can keep you from going on to win your battles. Half the battle, the battle on the inside, one of the most difficult battles we will ever fight is the one on the inside. And we've been using this verse in Joshua chapter five, verse nine, we've read it a couple of times, where it says, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. When they were on the banks of the Jordan River, and God in this day removed something from their heart so that they could go on and fight Jericho and Ai and the Northern Kingdoms and the Southern Kingdoms and, and take over the Promised Land. But I want to back up one verse. There's, there's, there's one verse right before this. I mean, it's literally the verse right before. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 8, something really powerful is said. And it says this. It says, and after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. The work had been done. The cutting away had taken place. And we talk about how today's circumcision is a circumcision of the heart. And God comes with his scalpel, the word of God, and begins to cut things away from us. But there was a healing process. That they didn't just get to go straight off the battle. He wanted them to go through a process of healing. And today I want to kind of pick up on this. And I want to talk about something that will keep you from healing. Something wrapped up in this that will keep you from completely experiencing the wholeness of healing before you go to battle. And I want to do it. I love doing this. I love taking scriptures in the Old Testament and then taking scriptures in the New Testament and finding the commonality and the parallels between the two. So go with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. Now, if you go in your paper Bible to this and perhaps in your digital Bible, some translations will have a heading above this section, above this paragraph that literally says, Jesus rejected by Nazareth. That's the, the heading to the story that I'm about to tell you, a story of Jesus being rejected at Nazareth, Nazareth, which is his hometown, okay? Verse 53, it says, when Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. And he returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? And then verse 55, things shift. Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. 
all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all of these things? And then this is where we're going to lean in in verse 57. It says, and they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. The very next verse says, then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except his own hometown and among his own family. Say this word with me. I want you to say this word with me. Say, a prophet is honored. So I want to take these parallels. I want to take this word offended and this word honor. The very next verse says this, and so he, being Jesus, did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. There was a series of things that took place here that one translation says Jesus could not do any miracles, do many miracles there. And so I want to talk, talk about these two words. I want to talk about the word offense and the word honor and how they are really closely related and how if we don't get these two things right, we will never fully heal, okay? So I want to talk to you today on the subject of get better, not bitter. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these moments that we dive into your word. All week long, we're exposed to what some believe is truth. But today, we know that we go to the only real source of truth, that's your word. And so because we're going to the only source of truth, we tune our ears in a special way and we fix our hearts and we turn our affections and our attentions towards you to hear what you would have to say to each and every one of us and we receive it in advance in Jesus' name, amen. So I like this, this wording, it says it stays where they were, they stay where they were until they were healed, healed. Now this word healed in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word chaya, chaya. I'm watching Cobra Kai on Netflix. Have you guys seen this? Like it's a continuation of Karate Kid. I'm sorry, that was not in my notes. But this word literally means to restore, to revive, to become completely whole. It sounds a lot like live life to the full. That before we can go to battle, we have to go through this process even after, begins, even after God begins to show us things in our heart that need to be circumcised, and even after God comes in and cuts those things away, there's still a process of healing. There's still something that we got to wait until we become completely healed, completely whole in this process. And these, this story that I read to you about Jesus, I kind of want to give you the, the Cliff Notes version. Okay? The Cliff Notes version of this would be, they were offended... They became offended. It says they were greatly offended or they were just really offended by him and then they didn't honor him. So Jesus saw their offense and the way he described their offense was, I am not being honored. So because of their offense, there was a lack of honor which resulted in a lack of miracles. So it's the offense leads to dishonor and dishonor leads to lack. So we could even reverse that cycle and say if there's areas of my life where I'm experiencing lack, 
then I could actually reverse that and say, in what areas of my life am I being dishonoring? Which might lead you to the place of, in what areas of my life am I being offended? And I wanna show you how closely related these things are between the idea of offense and the idea of, of honoring. It's, it's really a, a, a mind-blowing thing to think, as that one translation says, that Jesus could do no miracles there, could do few miracles there. It's as if the power of Jesus was shut down and it was because of a dishonoring moment. And so I wanna talk about, the first thing I wanna talk about for a few minutes is I wanna talk about offense, okay? Promise you won't be offended? We're gonna talk about offense. And now, I preached on this several weeks ago, and if you remember, we hit on it a little bit. And then I said, I'm gonna circle back around and preach on this some more, because this is really important. Like rejection, offense is everywhere. And every single day, we have offense presented to us. Every day. In fact, chances are that at some point during the sermon, I will offer you offense if you would like to be offended. Because it's something that we're all exposed to, which always makes me think if it's something that we're all exposed to, then it must be a really good tool of the enemy because he comes in these moments. So I want to give you quickly three truths about offense. But first, let's read the verse again. Verse 57, it says, and they were deeply, come on, say that with me, say deeply. Say it with your, with your base, deeply. Deeply. <laughs> They were deeply offended. Now watch what it resulted in. Their offense caused them to refuse. Because they were offended, they refused. And this is what offense comes to do. Let me give you three truths about offense. The first one is this. Is this. Offense will fence you in. And now you'll wonder why I have offense on the stage, and now you know why. Because this will symbolize what offense can do. Because offense builds offense in your heart. And it, it causes us to separate us from the offender. And so we build offense to protect, it's a, it's, a, it's a defense mechanism. When I feel the pain, I don't wanna ever feel that pain again, so I'll build a wall so that I never have to feel that pain again. If I let somebody in close and they, they rejected me, they offended me, I'll build a fence so that no one can come close again. But offense is offense that's built by the offender, or by, by the offended, that to keep out the offender. I'm six, seven, so I can do this. Like, my neighbors, you can't, you can't hide anything from me. I'll just look, I'll look right over your fence. That'll preach, I'll look over your offense. That's, that's, I should have had a fourth point. But this is what, this is what offense does to us. In fact, the, the Greek word for offense means a, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, it means a trap a snare, a stumbling block, and I like the last one, an impediment that's in the way. So when we become offended, now we talked about this a couple weeks ago, there's a difference between offense and offended, right? There's a difference between offensive and offended because every single day you have the opportunity to be offended. Offense will come, I'm just gonna tell you, it's coming. Somebody's going to cut you off as you pull out of the parking lot, and you're going to have an opportunity to be offended and to use one of your fingers, and you get to choose which one, right? So, so being, becoming offended is a choice. So offense will come at you every day of your life, but you only become offended if you build a wall with it. 
okay? So that's, that's the first truth about offense. The second truth about offense is that offense is contagious. You think the coronavirus is contagious. Offense is deeply contagious. I can get you to be offended with me because we're close, we're friends, we have relationship. And so if I come to you and say that somebody has harmed me, somebody has done wrong to me, then you're gonna be offended with me. And the difficulty with, with offense is that it becomes a prison. Because many times, I only have it, a linear version of this in here so you can see me, but, but really offense doesn't just have one side, it becomes a prison that blocks me on all sides. And offense doesn't just keep me from the person Offense, according to the scripture, will keep God from me. The Bible says, I'm dishonored. Jesus said, I'm dishonored in my own town, and so I could do little miracles there. So this fence becomes, becomes something that can block me from some of the blessings that God wants to give me. And it's highly contagious. Um, I need some volunteers. A couple of you guys, Jerry, grab me like two, two, three guys over there. Oscar, come up here. Preston, come up here, my man. Grab, just some of y'all hop up here. Ooh, man, got some handsome guys coming up here. Okay, come on up here. Come on up here. Y'all just kind of cluster over here. How are you, dude? I do need, I always need you, Oscar. Oscar said, do you need me? Yes, Oscar, I always need you. Okay, so... Let me, let me just give you kind of an illustration of how offense is contagious, okay? Let me find something offensive up here for a second. Jerry, come over here. You know I'm going to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually offended because you say that LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time, but yet you're wearing Michael Jordan's shoes. So I am... I, I tell you what, there's a hypocrite right there. Yeah. So good, so good. We've been, we, we tease Jerry all the time about this. I got the microphone. You don't have a microphone. But here's how, here's how this offense can happen, okay? I'm, I'm being lighthearted, but you'll get with me. Um, I can walk over to my, my man. Man, I was talking to Jerry yesterday. He's talking about how LeBron James was the best player, and then today he shows up in Michael Jordan shoes. Dude's a hypocrite. That's... Isn't that ridiculous? That's, that's sin. Come, come with me. Now I've invited Oscar into my prison. And then I come up to Preston. He's young. He needs to be shaped, shaping the minds of our youth. Michael Jordan is the best player of all time. LeBron James is not, okay? First of all. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. Okay, I got to preach. Okay. So I talk Preston into it, and then I can go on, and guess what Preston does? Preston goes and tells Rich. I don't even have to tell Rich. I just started it. I know this dude. This dude thinks Michael Jordan's the best player of all time. I can tell by looking at him. Uh -huh, see? So what happens, y'all go over there. Y'all go over there with Oscar. So what happens is I create something. Now, a couple days later, I end up going to lunch with Jerry. And, and we make amends. And maybe he tries to convince me that LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. And maybe he says, you know, I don't really think that Jordan's any good. Somebody gave me these shoes, and so I just wanted to wear them. So, but but we, we make amends, and I, I tell him, you offended me, and will you forgive me? And we make amends, but I've already imprisoned 
everybody else. So I can actually be free of being offended all the while I have caused a whole nother group of people to carry my offense for me, right? And so now, not only have I put them on my side, maybe, just maybe, I have caused them to be separated from some things that God's wanting to do in their life, okay? Give them a hand as they go. So it is a a highly, highly, highly (laughs) contagious thing. So so offense is kind of like an automatic weapon. Once you pull the trigger, it keeps firing. And even if I only tell two people, I walk away, it's still firing. It's spreading. It's like a virus that spreads, all coming back to me. You see these wildfires happening in California and Oregon, and they're, they're horrible. We should pray for them. But it all started with a spark. It all started with one spark. And it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. And many times we have to be responsible to know that we carry this. And offense is a party that everyone is invited to. Everyone's invited to. And everyone will become infected. So we must be careful who we're infecting. But we also must be careful of who's infecting us. So when I came to Oscar and got him to carry my offense, what he could have said was, man, we don't, we don't really know that about Jerry. Let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And guess what I'd have done? I'd have walked on past him and infected somebody else. So it works on both sides. Be careful who you're infecting and then be careful on who you're allowing to infect you. The third truth about offense is this. Where offense is present, forgiveness is absent. And this is, this is where it really becomes heavier because it's like, eh, offense, whatever. But then we start talking about forgiveness. This is a word that we're all, we understand the weight of this. But I want to present to you that if you have become offended, I'm not saying if offense has been offered to you, I'm saying if you have become offended, forgiveness is absent. And this is where the real danger happens, and I want to show you why. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15 will smack you upside the head so hard. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours either. So here's really what it boils down to. If you're a Christ follower, offense is not an option. And unforgiveness is not an option. It's not an option. We must guard our hearts from carrying offense and becoming offended, okay? So let's just pretend like I've convinced you of that. So what do we do with our offense? What do we do with it? Well, some, some would say, you know, we've built this, this wall of offense. And you could be offended by a person. You could be offended by an organization. Um, you, could, you could carry the offense of your father. Um, racial reconciliation, you know what this is. I'm, races are carrying the offenses of their parents. And they're contagious. Because offense is generational. It's a spirit of offense. And you can carry an offense. That, that's, that's, why, that's why some guys are like, I'll never drive a Ford, only Chevys. What? Why? Well, because my dad said Fords are the worst. Somebody's clapping. See, some people get... We carry stuff from our parents, right? Like, my son's a Thunder fan. Guess why? Because his dad is. So we pass these things down unknowingly, okay? So what do we do with our offense? Well, 
Some would say, if they were to try to give you counsel for your offense, they would say, you just need to get over it. And you're like, well, man, I mean, I'm tall, but I, I don't know that I can scale this fence. It, do, it doesn't work. And some would say, well, you just need to get past it. Just figure out a place and, and squeeze through somewhere. Just, just get past That doesn't work either. It's not going to work. Some will say, well, you just need to, you just got to get through it, John. You just need to, time heals all wounds, which is the biggest lie on the planet. You just need to get through it. I, I can't get through this thing. This is, this is heavy. The only way to get through your offense is to defense your offense. You must dismantle it. There are things that God can heal you of instantly. And this is one of them. And, you know, through this whole series, we've been having these powerful altar calls where half of the congregation comes forward with the spirit of rejection and, and we're going to believe in God for deliverance. And it's happening. We're seeing things happen. But then there are some things that you're going to have to defense one board at a time. Have you ever heard in sports they say this? They say, they say the best offense is a good defense. And I was like, forget that. I'm hitting 40 points tonight. I'm not playing defense. I'm here to play offense. No. But, so they say the best offense is a good defense. I would say when it comes to your offense, a good defense is the best way to overcome your offense. So how do we do this? How do we dismantle offense? Well, I want to go back to what the scripture talks about. Let's go back to it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 57 through 58. It says, they were deeply offended and they refused to believe in him. And then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Now, please catch this. Their offense kept them from honoring Jesus. It was their offense that gave them the inability to honor. And then Jesus says, a prophet is not honored in his own hometown, therefore, he did few miracles there. What if the greatest weapon to defense our offense is honor? Now I'm about to give you some medicine that tastes terrible. My mom used to give me cough syrup, you know, when I was a kid, and nowadays they make cough syrup pretty good probably, but but she would give me this cough syrup and on the side of it says cherry. I'm like, that does not taste like cherry. That tastes like dookie. Like, I, that's horrible, horrible stuff. You know, you're holding your nose to take it and then you take your thing off and you're like, I can still taste it. It's terrible. Medicine sometimes tastes really bad. And what I'm about to give you as medicine isn't gonna taste real good, but it's medicine. And here's the medicine I wanna give you. Honor is greater than offense, okay? So I wanna talk about honor for a few minutes. One of these massive secret weapons we have called honor. And we shouldn't be too surprised by this. We know verses like Matthew chapter five, verse 43, that says, you have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may become sons of your Father in heaven. That last part's the most powerful one. 
You need to bless your enemies, pray for those who curse you, love those who persecute you, so that you may become sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. So let's talk about honor and how powerful it is. The first truth, three truths about honor. The first one is this. Respect is earned, honor is given. The biggest reason that people have a difficult time honoring people that have offended them or abused them or hurt them is because you don't respect them. And you shouldn't respect them. Because respect is something that you earn. You don't earn honor. Honor is giving, given. It's a free gift. It's something that we give to people that don't deserve it. You can honor someone without respecting them. Amen? Amen. A couple of amens. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try to keep convincing you. So here's the best way to approach honor. You give it to everyone and you expect it from no one. Expect it from no one. Give it to everyone. Watch what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2.17. It says, honor some people, like the ones you like, the ones that are good to you, the ones that treat you well, the ones that don't reject you or offend you. It says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, you gotta know, like when this was written, honor the king, are you kidding me? Nero was the king. This dude peeled the flesh off of Christians and lit them on fire as torches in the streets to, to lampposts. Honor the king. Are you kidding me right now? He, he didn't say respect the king. He said honor. Honor the seat. Honor the seat. I want this church to have a, a, a culture of honor. We will honor. We, we will have a culture of honor in this church. I want us to honor one another. I want us to honor our pastors. I want us to honor our children. I want us to honor our parents and our grandchildren. I want us to honor our government officials, our president, seat. We don't have to respect them, but we can honor, we can honor the seat, okay? It's, it's, it's an attitude of honor. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says this. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight, take delight in it. Take delight in honoring the second truth about honor is this, honor, honoring the offender is costly. And this is why I'm not getting very many amens, because it costs you something. Honoring people who don't deserve honor is one of the most difficult things to do in our flesh, because honor costs something. This word honor in the Greek is the Greek word teme, and it means a great, at a great price. A valuing by which the price is fixed. And honoring those who don't deserve it comes at a high price. It's a high price. You know, there's some things in, in this world that are negotiable. My dad, he's sitting over here. He loves to go to garage sales. I'm like, I hate. I can't stand garage sales. He likes to go to garage sales, not for the stuff, because it's all junk anyways. He likes to negotiate. <laughs> he loves it. It's like, you know, a teddy bear is a quarter. And he's like, hmm. I'll give you a dollar for 10 of them. I'm like, it's probably got fleas. I mean, but you can, at, at, at certain areas, a flea market, at a, at a garage, garage sale, you can negotiate. But my dad's not walking up into Hellsburg Diamonds going, hmm, I wonder if they'll take less. No. They won't take less. Why? Because it's a fixed cost. 
You want the diamond? Pay the price. You want to be rid of offense? Honor is the price. Pay the price. It's a fixed cost. We honor those who don't deserve it. It's going to cost us something. Your, what's going to be required of this, and this is why, again, why it's so quiet in here, is because in order to honor someone, something in me has to die. Something in me has to die, and it's called pride. And I have to really begin to humble myself in order to do this. I heard this preacher, this old preacher one time, he said, he said, dead people don't get offended. And he's right, dead people don't get offended, but I want to remind you as, as Christ followers that we have died to ourself. We have, we have died to ourself. In Galatians chapter two, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. You know who gave up his pride? Jesus, when he climbed up on the cross. For us, the offender. Did you know that we were the offender, right? He was the one that was offended. We were the offender. He laid down his life for us. He honored us by dying on a cross. This is our example. And, I, and listen, I am up here like getting all up in your business. And I want to be very, very sensitive because I know that some of you have been so offended and so hurt and so rejected and have so much pain that listening to some skinny, tall pastor talk about it, you want to come up here and punch me in the face. And I get that because there's real hurt it's real, real, real pain. And we try to think through the process of how could I ever, how could I ever get to this point where I can do this, where I can, where I can get through this process. It's, it's understanding that Jesus did it, that he went through some pain for us. And we can have this same attitude towards our offenders. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12, it says, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. So that verse says, and, the, and it says that you cannot get honor without humility. It says it again in Proverbs 15, 13, it says, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. It's gonna cost you something. It'll cost you something. In Matthew chapter 26, verse six, it gives us this great example, a parallel of a, of a, of a metaphor here of Jesus. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. It cost her something very expensive. And when we give honor to people who don't deserve our honor, it costs us something. And the Bible goes on to, to say that, they, that the disciples ridiculed her and said, why are you spending such an expensive thing? Do you know how many poor people we could have fed with the amount of money that it took for you to pour that? And this is how people will view, when you honor people that don't deserve it, people will look at you and say, why are you spending such an expensive thing of honor on such a lowly person? It costs something, it costs something. But it's the very thing that begins to work in our hearts because honor is not ours to have, it's ours to give. It's ours to give. So honoring your offender will cost you something, but it won't cost you as much as it cost Jesus won't cost you as much. The third and final truth about honor is that honor weighs more than offense. The, the Hebrew word for honor and glory is kind of the same Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word chava. You have to hack and spit when you say it. Chava. And it literally is translated to be heavy or weighty. Uh, 
pre-COVID, I started working out with this guy who owns a gym and he's a trainer. And I went and I, he said, man, what do you want to do? What's your goals? And I said, man, you know, I just, I need to lose a little weight. I, you know, some of you are like, shut up, John. No, really, I had this like little inner tube that I wanted to get rid of around my waist, my 40 little bike inner tube, you know? And, and I said, I just need to lose some weight. And you know what he said to me? He said, John, you don't need to lose weight. You actually need to gain weight. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't. He said, he said, he said, you don't need to lose weight. You need to gain the right kind of weight. He said, because muscle weighs more than fat. So although your inner tube is going to be gone and the fat's going to be gone, you're actually going to weigh more than you did before. And there's this really good sermon. C.S. Lewis wrote this sermon in 1942 called The Weight of Glory. And in it, he kind of debates this idea of shame versus honor. How do I obtain honor? Has shame versus honor. And in it, he concludes that most people, in, in an effort to avoid shame, because nobody wants to experience shame, to avoid shame, we clasp or we go after honor. And we try to bring honor to ourselves. I want to drop the weight of shame and I want to gain the weight of honor. But the problem with that is we were never meant to receive honor, we were meant to give honor. But we, we want honor, that's why, that's why when somebody uh, uh, applauds you or compliments you, or if, if I were to have somebody stand up at the Edmund campus right now and say, man, that person's so awesome, they're such a good person, you would be like, yeah, I'm being honored. If somebody mentioned you on social media, somebody tags you in something and compliments you, oh, I just gained a little weight right? But this, this is the danger. This is the danger in all of this. Becoming offended, okay? Becoming offended is a pointless attempt to gain honor for yourself because true honor, true honor does not look to gain. It looks to give. When you try to receive honor, you're gaining the wrong kind of weight. You're gaining the wrong kind of weight. The only way to shed the weight of offense is to give honor. And when you give honor, you become weighty. You become weighty. And God begins to do something deep inside your heart. I believe this is what happened to Joseph. You know, Joseph had this dream where the fields were bowing down to him. Guess what they were doing? They were honoring him. He had this dream. And then he went through a series of losing Sold into slavery. His brothers threw him in a cistern. Sold into slavery. Went to Potiphar's house. Gained weight. Gained honor. And then he was thrust back down into the prison again. I believe that Joseph never got offended through the whole process. I believe that time after time he was presented with an offense. Offense, offense, offense. And I think every time he shed it off. Why do you think that, John? Because everywhere he went, it says that, that, that when he was in Potiphar's house, it says that he was put in authority and they worried about nothing. He went to prison. It says that he was put in authority, and they worried about nothing. Why? Because he didn't become offended. He honored, he honored, he honored, he honored. And I want to show you the results when we live a life of honoring. For Joseph, it happened in Genesis 41, verse 42. It says, then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his father and put it on Joseph's finger, and he dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Israel. Honoring his offenders 
released a blessing of honor back on him. Skip down to chapter 45. It says, Pharaoh said to, to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your fathers and your families back to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will enjoy the fat of the land. The burden of his loss became the gain of his calling. I, uh, I had an opportunity several years ago to walk this out and I had somebody who deeply offended me. Like, hurt me really bad, offended me. Um, and I was walking through this with one of my, my spiritual mentors and he said, I, I know how to, to fix this for you. And he basically walked me through what I'm walking you through. And I said, great, how? Because we know, guys, we're not stupid. We know that offense shouldn't be there. We don't want it. It makes us feel terrible. So I was just naturally, good, how do I get, because this is heavy. I don't want to bear this burden anymore. How do I get rid of it? And he said, I want you to start praying for him. I'm like, done. I'll pray that, you know, a rock falls on him or something. I don't know. I'll <laughs> pray that he trips and falls and, you know. I, but but Jim, I, I understood what he meant, but I was like, yeah, sure, I'll pray for him. No, he, he said, no, no, no. He, knew, he saw that I agreed to that way too easily. So he said, no, I'm going to give you some parameters. I said, okay. He said, I want you to pray for him. He said, do you pray that God would bless your finances? I'm like, yeah. He said, I want you to pray for his finances to be blessed like you pray for yours to be blessed. Do you, do you pray for your church to grow? I'm like, yeah. He said, I want you to pray for his business to grow the way that you want your church to grow. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. This is, this is different. And I, but I committed to it. I committed to honoring him in prayer and lifting him up in prayer and praying blessing. And I want to tell you something. For about two or three weeks, I didn't believe one word of it. And he told me that. He told me in advance. He said, you're not going to feel it. Move past your feelings and say it. In Romans chapter 10, it says that we declare with our mouth and we believe in our heart. Now, it's talking about salvation. But think about the order of that. You declare with your mouth, and then you believe in your heart. So I just started saying it. I'd just pray. I'd be like, bless him, Lord. You know, I would just start saying it. But you know what happened to me about, about three or four weeks later? God started, God started breaking my heart for him. And it started by me feeling sorry for him. And I don't think that was God's intent. He wanted me to feel sorry for him. But it began to break my heart that I genuinely began to pray that he would be blessed. Because I realized, and this is what you have to realize, that if he gets blessed, I can still get blessed too. There's blessings for both. There's grace for both. There's healing for both. So I, I understand you've been hurt. I understand you've been harmed. But begin to pray for the grace of God to fall on that individual the same way the grace of God has fallen on you. It's grace. It's grace. We all need this grace. And so wouldn't you know, I get to write this sermon, and this is what happens all the time. God doesn't let me just preach sermons. He's like, I'm going to make you practice that before you preach. So this week, I got offended. That gummit. How am I supposed to preach on this, God, if I'm the one getting offended? So all this week, I have gone to prayer and prayed blessings over this individual in advance and praying over their kids and praying over everything that this person does. I'm just praying. Why? Because I got to get that out of my heart. I got I to gotta defense 
my offense. And the only way I can do that is to come up to this fence and say, I don't know how to get past this. I can't get over it. I can't get around it. And I can't get through it. So I'm just going to face it and I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for this, this person. I'm going I'm to bless this person. I'm going to bless this person. You know what I did? You know what I did when I needed to bless this person? When I was depending on God to bless my church, we wrote a check to bless their organization. Why? Because I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to move past it. I'm going to pray for financial blessings to come. I'm going to honor every person that I come into contact with. I'm going to talk about that person and I'm going to say, I honor you. I honor you. I honor you. And I'm going to say it and I'm going to say it. And I'm not going to believe it at first, but it's going to sink down into my heart. And before you know it, there's a passage. Before you know it, there's just enough room for me to slip through. And there's just enough room for everybody that I've imprisoned with my offense for them to get through to. But I've also opened up another dimension, okay? Not only, not only do I get to get past my offense and break through to the other side of forgiveness, but God's over here going, man, finally. Finally. I can bless you. I can come and bless you. I can bless everything that you're touching. So stand to your feet with me. Edmund, okay, see, stand to your feet with me for just a second. Come on, we're going to get better. We're not going to get bitter. We're not going to get bitter. We're getting better. I want to I want to walk you through this. Okay? I want to give you an opportunity. So, you know, we're not going to do this for very long, you know. But we have to give these moments where the Holy Spirit can come and do something cuz I you hear me say this all the time. I can preach a sermon, but a sermon's not going to change you. This sermon ain't going to change you. The Holy Spirit's going to change you. And so we have to give space for you to connect to God, not through a preacher, but for you yourself, okay? So just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I'm gonna kind of walk you through this. I want you to picture this person that has offended you. And if you're having trouble thinking of somebody, think of the person that you don't wanna think about and you're getting close. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a company, I don't know. Maybe it's, a, um, maybe it's your political party. Maybe you're offended by the other side. Maybe you're offended by a spouse or a friend or a, a coworker or a boss or an employer. You, did you know that you can become offended over your employer? The person that pays your paycheck, you can, be, you can carry an offense towards your place of business. So I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to picture it. And I want you to begin to, in just a moment, we're gonna sing this song. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing. But this, the song isn't for you to sing. You can if you want to. The song is to give you space to have a moment. And I want you to, we're going to play music because I want you to audibly do something. And you can whisper it. But I literally want you to begin to pray blessings over this place or this person. And you're not going to feel it. You're not gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be like there's a clamp on your jaw. And you're going to go, God, I can't, I can't even say those words. It's what it's going to feel like. But I need you to begin to do this. I need you to begin to, I need you to declare with your mouth before you believe in your heart. Declare with your mouth. Declare every day when your prayer time, get up, declare blessings. 
When you pray for yourself, which I know you do, that's the one thing we never forget to do. We never forget to pray for ourselves. When you're praying for yourself, every single aspect of blessing that you pray upon yourself, I want you to pray it over them. Pray it over them. And this is a rhythm. Because you're going to do this today, and you're going to peel off these planks of this fence. Okay? And then you're going to wake up tomorrow, and all those planks are going to be right back on that daggum fence. And you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to pull them off again. Every day you're going to pull them off, pull them off, pull them off. And you'll go from having five off to four off to three. It's going to go down and down and down. And God's going to heal your heart. He's going to heal your heart. And then once your heart is fully healed, you'll win the battle. The Jericho walls will fall. So, Father, as we walk through this exercise, even before we start, I pray that you would bring things to our remembrance. Maybe somebody's standing out there going, well, I don't know, I don't know if I have any offense. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit brings things to our remembrance. So God, would you bring things to our remembrance? Things that we've become offended by. And as we sing this song for just a moment, we release honor over those who have offended us. We release blessings. We release uh, prayers of blessings and abundance over their life. Once again, thank you for joining us today for this week's message at Victory Church, where we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond themselves, and be transformed. The only way that can happen is through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would like to invite you to partner in giving towards this ministry. You can do that by visiting our website at victory.church give or download our Victory Church app and select give. Once again, thank you. And God desires for us to live life to the full.